Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. Time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Sainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy, hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. Is, is this where we're supposed to come in? <laughs> yes. Yes, Cretan. Cretans, Cretans. <laughs> you Cretan. How you doing? All right. How you doing, brother? Um, I'm doing good. It's been a it's been a long and winding road for the last month and a half. A long uh, and winding road. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that long. Yes. Where's your road been winding? Oh uh, well, all through South America, a couple of times, mm-hmm. and uh, Indianapolis with our good friend John, mm-hmm. and uh, where was I before that? Nebraska, GABF, um, various places in between. Yeah. Yeah. I, Next week, I head out to New York. I calculated that I had been on the road fifteen weeks this year. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, 15 weeks. Jesus. I'm just so, <laughs> so tired. I just want to be home. Yeah. I mean, I enjoy the trips. I enjoy visiting. Had a great time in uh, Korea and Japan just recently. And um, ate some interesting things. <laughs> ah. Doing a little bit of the old the back alley. foods out there. Yeah, yeah, you know when you see like the uh the things that are wriggling and crawling that they pulled out of the sea <laughs> and uh they've rinsed them off and chopped them up and then mm-hmm. there it is and uh there you go. I ate some of that. Nice. nice. Some uh little octopus, some some uh abalone, some sea squirt, some hagfish. Really? Wow. You pour some uh, soy sauce in it and watch it move again? <laughs> right. Oh, no. It's flipping out the whole time. Um, are you uh, familiar with the hagfish? <laughs> I'm not. It's uh, kind of like uh, an eel's uh, dirtier, uh, skinnier cousin. Oh. Yeah. I've seen it on National Geographic, <laughs> but that's about it. Yeah, it's quite a uh, bit of an earthy kind of character to it. Hmm. Um, and then uh, some raw horse. R- horse? Horse. Raw. Raw horse. Not, not like seared or anything. Just raw. Just a raw Completely horse. Completely raw, Just yeah. like, here we go. Right. We just cut this up in the back. Yeah, whack a piece off the horse, and uh, there you go. yippee ki huh? Well, how was, how was that? That was that was uh Tough. yeah, you know, and the thing is, um, you know, people are, you know, providing this as a uh a very generous kind uh, you know, special treat that uh, you know, they're yeah. trying to, you know, which I appreciate. I really do. Um but as the guest, you must uh eat first. Uh-huh. Everyone else so is sitting there so waiting for watching you. you right? Yeah, they're all waiting. They're not going to eat first. They're they're going to sit there and wait. And you know, here it is. And they all want to dig in. And yeah. uh, you know, if you don't, it's kind of like well. So there you go. <laughs> a little bit of a raw horse. I mean, early. I tend not to eat any hoofed animal raw. That's just not my my way of going. I'm not like into the raw beef or raw camel or what anything right mm-hmm. um and so yeah the raw horse yeah no it was it was uh it was fine it was fine uh but getting home i was just like oh, i just i don't want to eat anything other than you know as american as it can possibly be <laughs> yeah uh it was good it was just uh a little challenging, 
you know mm-hmm. so a couple of weeks of that is is enough um some of the things i really like you know some of the ramens and things mm-hmm. but the most exotic thing i ate recently was a uh, chicken heart yeah yeah they uh um, cooked they or raw still cooked. beating barbecued in fact yeah yeah oh i love a good heart I, I ate the uh, the turkey heart at Thanksgiving. Oh. I eat, I eat all the uh, all the organs. I had the uh, the heart, the gizzard, uh, the neck, uh, mm. liver. I ate all that, but it was all cooked. Yeah. yeah. See that chicken heart? If it was still beating <laughs> on the plate, <laughs> that's <laughs> when it gets a little little, huh? that's when it gets a little more challenging. Yeah. 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 No, I had all, I had, they skewer them like hundreds of them on mm-hmm. barbecue them in, in, uh, southern Brazil where I was recently at. Well, then, and, uh, uh, very didn't, tasty. Didn't we had those at the Brazilian steakhouse thing in, uh, Denver that year? Oh, yeah. That's right. You know, I, I was like slamming them down. Mm-hmm. I like a good heart. You know, mm-hmm. that's tasty. Yeah. That's some yeah. tasty stuff right there. The heart. Yeah. Speaking of tasty stuff. And good hearts. And good hearts, yeah. Our good friend John Blickman at Blickman Engineering. Uh, it's got all that tasty uh, equipment, all that new stuff that they're doing, uh, all the, the cool, innovative stuff, innovating your brew day. Yeah. And uh, and he's got a, uh, a good heart as well. He's a super nice guy. And uh, he's been paying for the show, uh, so you don't have to for, oh, these many years. And um, it would be nice if you sent him an email saying uh, thank you for sponsoring the show. You can send him an email at feedback at BlickmanEngineering.com and tell him how much you appreciate that John uh, pays for the show so you don't have to. Uh, Let's see here. Today, John and I were responding uh, to some emails about... uh, uh, some brewery questions, commercial brewery questions. And I think, I guess I got a little bit pissy in the email, in my response going like, Jesus, if you're not doing this, then you shouldn't be running a commercial brewery. And it got me thinking, you know, I go around, I see a lot of breweries and I see that they're not doing some of the basics that you should be doing if you're doing a commercial brewery. You should just step up and do these basic, basic things that aren't very expensive. It's just kind of like, eh, you know, I'll just keep homebrewing and I'll sell the beer anyways. You know, homebrewing's great, but, you know, when you're homebrewing, the, you know, the risks are minimal and you're just having fun. Um, but when you're commercial brewing, I think you, you owe it to your customers to step up a little bit and do some, you know, basic things. That, you owe it to yourself, too. Yeah, well, yeah, if, if you care about your brand at all and the effort you're putting into it, well, then, you know, there's some fundamental things that you could do that will ensure a, a much better product than if you uh, just kind of wing it blindly. So uh, John and I were, were talking about that. We came up with a list of uh, the 10 basic things every commercial brewery should do. Uh, uh, I think yeah. that's a, a pretty pretty interesting list. It's a pretty BuzzFeed-worthy. BuzzFeed-worthy, yeah. See? The, the Ten mo- things that you definitely should do if you own a program. This, this will Click resonate this. with the millennial hipsters. Yeah. Uh, so, People love it. So Steve says. <laughs> All right. Well, um, let's do this. Let's take a short break. And when we come back... We'll get right into the, uh, the, the top 10 things that you should be doing uh, right after this. Are you looking for a simple brewing system that's great for all grain brewing, but everything on the market seems to be full of compromises? Blickman Engineering has the answer. The Blickman Brew Easy All Grain Brewing System. The Brew Easy is a complete system with easy upgrades and a beautiful compact design, perfect for any size brewing location. At its core, the Brew Easy is built on two gorgeous Blickman Boilermaker brew kettles, a high-temperature March pump, and either a top-tier gas burner or the new boil coil electric.
electric heater. The Brew Easy adapter lid allows the pots to stack on top of each other, forming an efficient, strong, and compact brewing setup that comes in 5, 10, and 20 gallon batch sizes. Upgrade your Brew Easy system with full automated control by adding a Blickman Tower of Power temp controller and make moving around easy with the Blickman kettle cart. The Brew Easy is modular. If you already own a Boilermaker kettle, you can build your Brew Easy by purchasing just the modules you need. The new Brew Easy all grain brewing system. See it today at BlickmanEngineering.com and brew with Blickman quality on your new Brew Easy. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. MoreBeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. MoreBeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to MoreBeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, More Beer's social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of the buzz, the forum, the learning center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. Hey guys, what'll it be? I'm not sure. What do you recommend? A lot of people seem to like the Hefeweizen. Is that a German Hefeweizen or more of an American-style wheat beer? I'm not sure, but I can give you a taste. Okay, great. Great. The Cicerone Certification Program certifies and educates beer professionals in order to elevate the beer experience for consumers. Unfortunately, not every bar is staffed with certified beer servers who can guide their customers through a beer list. Here you go, guys. Let me know what you think of the Hefeweizen. Yeah, that's definitely more of an American meat. But I can hardly tell because this beer just smells like sour butter. I wonder how long it's been since they cleaned the draft line. Yeah, and look at the bubbles on the side of the glass. It's filthy. Somebody should tell these guys about the Cicerone program. For sure. How about we head somewhere else for another beer? Your server should give beer the same respect you do. Request quality. The Cicerone certification program offers four levels of beer certification, in-person classes, and course books for beer professionals. Check them out at Cicerone.org. The Cicerone Certification Program. We know beer. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Check out their brand new patent-pending mash and boil 110-volt electric mashing and boiling unit. This compact all-stainless unit lets you mash, sparge, and boil just about anywhere that has a 110-volt plug. Double-wall construction adds to efficiency and safety, and a precise thermostat keeps temperatures where you want them. Unlike insulated buckets and converted coolers, multiple temperature rest mashing is easy to do all for under 300 bucks they also feature the mark ii work pump a magnetic drive high temperature pump that does the work of pumps that cost twice as much as well as exclusive brewers edge regulators and quality keg king kegs and disconnects check them out today at williamsbrewing.com to bruise their vast selection do you know the three most important rules in brewing? Sanitation, sanitation, and sanitation. And no one does it better than Five Star Chemicals. Five Star knows sanitation. You can only sanitize clean equipment. And Five Star knows how to clean, too. For craft brewers and home brewers, Five Star has what you need to keep your fermenters, serving tanks, kegs and draft lines sparkling and free of any beer-spoiling bacteria. PBW, caustic, acid cleaners, star sand. Santa Clean, lubricants and defoamers, pH stabilizers, and more. Five Star Chemicals has cleaning supplies, safety supplies, heat exchangers, pumps, hoses, and valves. And Five Star is proud to offer eco-friendly products that exceed customer expectations. If you have a cleaning problem, you need the Five Star Solution. Visit FiveStarChemicals.com or call 800-782-7019. 800-782-7019. And get the Five Star treatment today. Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. All right, we're back. We're going over the 10 basic things every commercial brewery should be doing. Right. 
All right, John, you want to you want to start us off with the first one? Sure. The first one is one of my favorites, one of my uh, go-tos, and that is temperature-controlled fermenters. Mm-hmm. Temperature control. I mean, you're going to see lots of people say, oh, it's not that important, or, hey, the brewlosophy guys have found it to be significant. Well, it is. Right. Uh, it is just bottom line, it is. If you have, you know, good practices all around, then, yeah, maybe you can get lucky with temperature control. But in terms of top-down ensuring a good brew, temperature control of your fermentation is key. Well, and this is one of the things that we've always said for homebrewers, too. And it was one of the things that really radically changed my homebrew was shifting over to temperature-controlled fermentation. And yeah. uh, I I've been a few to a few breweries and seen where the they've got like a you know plastic uh, conical tanks that they're using for their brewing and um, they don't have them temperature controlled at all or you know they put them in a room that's got an air conditioner on it and they're just generally controlling the the room temperature you got to do a little bit more than that I mean you got to do everything to control that fermentation temperature properly um so if you're playing on a brewery absolutely i think i think john you're you're absolutely right with that one it's uh yeah it's i mean especially when you when it comes to consistency mm -hmm. batch to batch Mm -hmm. i mean yeah this if you don't have temperature control maybe it'll still be a good beer Mm -hmm. um you know no flaws but it's going to be subtly different batch to batch um, if you can't lock down fermentation temperature control. Well, it can be tremendously different if, you know, you're getting less attenuation or more attenuation or, yeah. uh, you know, diff- completely different. different ester profile. Exactly. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah, definitely uh, one, of, one of the top things, I think. All right. Um, well, here, I got one for you. Um, if you're going to use dry yeast, you got to rehydrate the yeast. I see this uh, oh more often than not, I think. And it, yeah. I, I guess it's coming from when people were homebrewing, the dry yeast companies are saying, don't rehydrate, just sprinkle it on top. Right. Yet when you look at the commercial information for the dry yeast companies, they tell the the uh uh, commercial users to rehydrate first. And um, so I think, you know, people that are homebrewing, they just want to stick with the sprinkle it on method. And, you know, you're going to get half that, you know, half that yeast is going to gonna be dead. And or then low viability. Yeah. Yeah. And low it's going to start, it's going to start uh, breaking down in your beer. And it, it's something you can taste, especially in a lighter flavored beer. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and it's relatively simple to rehydrate. All you need is a bucket, oh, yeah. some warm water, and a, you know, fifteen minutes of time. Yeah. Now, I understand. Um, I was uh, talking with a friend about that, and his concern was like, "How do I get it into the fermenter?" You know, and I'm like, "You know, you need a, a corny keg or something that you can pressurize and shoot it in, or you know, just pour it in through the top, whatever." So he was uh, working on. Uh, you know, changing things up to do that, but I, I can't stress enough how important it is. And at the least, you're you're getting more viable yeast. You're going to get a stronger ferment. You're going to, you know, you're getting more yeast for your money. Yeah. You know, why throw away half of your yeast? Exactly. Because um, yeah. I was just down in Brazil, and um, a brewery that I did a collaboration brew with, um, they took a couple of the of the you know large you know, kilogram bricks, but, um, yeah, they rehydrated. They put it in a, in a smaller, uh, Sankey type keg Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, um, rehydrated and then, and then pulled it into the fermenter Mm -hmm. and it worked really well. Mm Mm-hmm. And if you want to get real uh, particular about it, I mean, that's all, essentially all you need is, you know, water at the correct temperature and, uh, you know, a container. And then if you can uh, pressurize it like a keg, you can just push it over with uh, CO2 or oxygen when, when it's time to uh, mix it in with your wort. And um, 
uh, works really well. You don't have to stir it, anything like that. If you're interested in taking it a little bit further, there's these rehydration um, uh, assisting uh, uh, compounds that they have. Uh, what are they called? Uh, was it GoFirm or... Um, I'm not familiar with those. Yeah, so a lot of the uh, winemakers use it. The distillers will use it. Um, it, it helps um, the the uh, number of viable cells when uh, you rehydrate. So you just put a little bit of that in the water and then uh, sprinkle your yeast on, wait, and um, you know, it's all ready to go. Because I understand the need for people to use, uh, you know, dry yeast. Uh, and I'm not even saying you need to use uh, liquid yeast. All I'm saying is that if you're going to use dry yeast, you have to, you know, do that one extra little step that's going to get you a little bit more um, results, better results, right? Yeah, yeah. It re- really helps do away with the, the stressed yeast flavors that mm-hmm. uh, you can taste. I mean, you can honestly taste in beers that uh, haven't been rehydrated. Mm-hmm. Well, that and um, uh, just autolyzed yeast as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, and uh, all right. So did I tell you this story already? Maybe not. I don't think we've talked since, uh, since I was in Korea. So I was in Korea the same time as uh, President Trump, believe it or not, <laughs> and in Seoul. And um, uh, a, a nice gentleman from the embassy uh, turned out to be a home brewer. And he had emailed me. He's like, hey, you know, if you're here, like, after Trump leaves, you know, come on by the, the embassy. And uh, I'm like, well, you know, I'm, I'm leaving pretty much the same day he is. And so I went kind of like the afternoon after he had, he had just left. And uh, so I went by the embassy and uh, talked to a small group of people there about uh, – uh, beer and importing uh, beer into Korea and things like that. It's one of the things they do is try and help uh, uh, develop export markets for U.S. goods, and so they're they're very curious as to how you know it works and uh, what they what they can do to help um, develop uh, you know markets for beer. And um, so he had brought he, he had told me it's like oh I made a dark mild, and he says I you know did three different yeasts. He says I did. Uh, the West Yorkshire yeast, which is one of my favorites. He said he did the uh, SO4, and he did the Lalamand um, English ESB yeast. Right. I, did he combine them or just separate? Separate. separate. So same wort split into three batches side by side with these three yeasts. So and he's like, you know, I'll bring them and you can you can taste them. I said, great. I said, don't tell me which yeast is which. I said, just pour them for me. And uh, see if I can tell you which is which. And so I, these are stories that just make me sound great, and I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> <laughs> but it's well deserved. Well, no, but I think I think this is the the. It just goes to show the difference in these things. I think sometimes people don't believe there's a difference. So he poured the three for me, and I just smelled them. I smelled the three the three cups, and I said, "Okay, this is West Yorkshire. This is SO four, and this is." Got to be the Lalo and DSB. He's like, yeah, you're right. I didn't even have to taste them. I could just smell them and, and could that tell different? what it was. Yeah, yeah. The, and the interesting thing was the West Yorkshire, it was just a better ferment. It seemed cleaner in the right way and fruitier in the right way and, you know, more attenuated in the right way. And the SO4 seems kind of, um, bready and with you know an autolyzed yeast kind of thing going on and then the the lalaman was not bad it was uh it was better but it 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 seemed again a little bit flat um but i could just i could just pick it up in the aroma so that's why uh you know i'm saying that you know treating that yeast is so important if you want to get the best out of the dry yeast if you're going to use dry yeast you need to rehydrate you need to treat it right. If you not, you're going to end up with beer where you. I, I can smell it and tell you use dry yeast. 
you know. Okay. What What do you think some of those aroma differences were? I mean, less ester, more sulfur. Yeah, and I mean, you can just smell the yeastiness of it. You know, okay. like like yep. dead yeast kind of uh, character um, comes through. Mm-hmm. Um, you can smell kind of that. That you know, you know what? Uh, if you take a pack of dry yeast and smell it, oh yeah, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that odor comes through. Mm-hmm. So I think that you know that's that's one of the reasons I have that in our in the in the top ten. Very good, very good. Um, what would your next one be there, John? Well, number three, I'm gonna have to say a pH meter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We had an interesting email just the other day from a, a brewer, and uh, they, long story short, they had uh, switched. Uh, one of the things they had switched as they started scaling up their brewery was uh, going to an RO system. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, we're seeing you know uh, a rise in final gravity. And while there are you know, many factors that could be responsible for a rise in final gravity, a lack of attenuation, in other words. Mm-hmm. Um, I said, you know, the RO system, if you have changed your water that drastically and, you know, he didn't say whether they were adding any other salts or doing any other adjustments to, to make up for that change mm-hmm. in water. Mm-hmm. Um, I said, well, you know, check your, check your mash pH Check your uh, beginning of the boil pH Uh um, and look for differences there Uh because depending on, you know, recipe, grain bill, water, um, if the mash pH drops too much, you can significantly uh, affect your beta amylase. Uh-huh. And uh, so that's that can be one reason that attenuation can change. So uh, a pH, a good pH meter, digital pH meter, is such a effective and useful tool, uh-huh. when, especially as a commercial brewery where you're trying to repeat recipes, you know, week to week. Um, by doing pH measurements throughout the process, um, you have the data to look and see if everything's tracking mm-hmm. um, along with, you know, uh, gravity data and et cetera. But pH data is really important for monitoring your process. Well, and that's one of the things that I, I had to kind of beat into my folks was, you know, measure the pH every step of the way. I want to know mash pH. I want to know the work pH. I want to know, you know, pre-boil, post-boil. I want to know in the tank. I want to know when you take a gravity reading in the in the fermenter, I want to know the pH of the beer every step of the way because that also tells you a lot about fermentation. It does, And, yes. you know, with that information, if something goes wrong, you know, you'll see it in pH a lot of times before anything else is evident. You know, that'll start going off and you're like, oh, you know, something's wrong. Um, And a pH meter is not that expensive. You can get a a fairly nice handheld pH meter with a replaceable um, probe for... Hundred you know, bucks, yeah, hundred bucks, hundred and fifty yeah. for you know really sweet one for you know under two hundred bucks. Yeah. If you're gonna open a commercial brewery, you better have allocated money for something like a pH meter. Yeah, just simple, repeatable, useful tool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and like you're saying, uh, you can check your water. You can check uh, you know every step of the process, and yeah. you know being able to do that um, and have that data. That's one of the other things I say. It's like data is your friend because, you know, people get complacent and they're like, oh, no, everything's fine. Why am I checking this when it, we don't use that information? It's like we're not using that information right now. We're going to use that information when things start to go wrong. You know, that's that's our indicator. And that's, you know, will tell us that something's gone wrong. Right. And, um, you know, we'll know before we've gone through all the rest of the steps. Um you know, if something goes horribly wrong with your mash pH, it's like, well, you know, you could stop your brew right there and start over versus going through and throwing in all those expensive hops and then fermenting it and tying up a tank and all that. Well, no, you have some some horrible uh, problem with the mash. Just dump it at that point and, you know, you've saved yourself a ton of money. Exactly. Yep. Very good point. Yeah. So, yeah, pH meter, that's another good one, John. I'll tell you, you know, 
it's also good for for homebrewers. I mean, all this stuff we've been saying so far, oh, temperature, yeah. controlled fermenter, temperature control fermenters, uh, using the uh, rehydrating your dry yeast, and then um, a pH meter. Those are all things you know an advanced homebrewer should be doing and, and have. And you can pick up uh, a nice pH meter at great fermentations. I don't know if you know those guys. John, you know those guys. Oh, yeah. Great people. Yeah. Um, They're out there in uh, Indiana, and uh, that's where uh, you can get uh, probably the... The, the best trained advice on uh, Blickman products, they're, they're extremely knowledgeable, and they have the largest catalog of Blickman products, products around. And uh, good folks, they offer top-notch customer service, same-day shipping on many items, and uh, I like them. I think it's a well-run place, well-stocked store, just just good people all around. And uh, you can check them out at greatfermentations.com. You can like them on Facebook um, at gr8fermentation. And uh, same thing on Twitter, uh, greatfermentations.com. Check them out. All right, let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll uh, continue our list of uh, the top ten things every commercial brewery should do right after this. If you work in retail sales, the restaurant industry, or are a new craft beer enthusiast, or you know someone who is, you have got to check out Beer 101. Beer 101 is an online course created for anyone wanting a quick introduction to the vast world of craft beer. Beer 101 covers the history of beer, brewing ingredients and processes, vital stats like ABV, SRM, IBU and gravity, styles, tasting, glassware, and pairing beer with food. The Beer 101 course is offered by the Brewers Association at craftbeer.com, also home to the truly awesome Beer Style Finder, a visual guide to every beer style. Quickly play with color, bitterness, and alcohol content to interactively explore the entire world of beer styles with a gorgeously designed interface to your favorite beverage. The new Beer 101 course and new Beer Style Finder are only available at craftbeer.com. Craftbeer.com, celebrating the best of American beer. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters, this is Jamel Zanisha, and I want to tell you about Heretic Evil Twin. You might be familiar with my homebrew recipe, which uses massive late hopping to create a balance between the malty sweet and the hoppy bitter, along with an outrageous malt and hop character. I wanted a beer with the same bold hop and malt character, so we played around with the homebrew recipe until we were able to make a great commercial version, too. We've created a beer rich in malt character, full of caramel, toast, biscuit, and an ever-so-subtle roast note. On top of that, we piled in an insane amount of citra and Columbus hops at the end of the boil, as well as in dry hopping. This damn-the-cost approach to hopping gives Heretic's Evil Twin a great blast of citrus and tropical fruit that can't be matched by any other hop. The result is a bold, malty, hoppy, but easy-drinking beer. This is our top seller, our flagship beer, and I couldn't be prouder of it. Cheers. To find Heretic Beers near you, click on Find Some at hereticbrewing.com. First Amendment. Watch out! Do you like beer? They make beer. Watch out! Do you like friends and fun? They make friends and fun. Watch out! Do you still like to have a good time? The 21st Amendment. Watch out! The 21st Amendment in San Francisco, located at 563 2nd Street, two blocks from the building where baseball is seen and played. Try their beers in the pub or try them in the can, featuring... Monk's Blood. Made with real monk. Watch out! So why not have the best time of your life? Go to the 21A and Sean O'Sullivan will personally greet you with a can of... Monk's Blood. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! This advertisement is not in any way affiliated nor associated with the 21st Amendment Bar and Pub, nor its subsidiaries or affiliates. This telecast is not copywritten by the 21st Amendment for the private use of the Brewing Network. Any use of this telecast without Jamil Zanishev's consent is prohibited. Saka JP. Are you a member of the White Labs Customer Club? If not, you should be. It's the easiest way to earn free stuff for turning in your old homebrew labels from either vials or pure pitch. All you have to do is save your labels and redeem them for things like free yeast, an exclusive White Labs t-shirt or sweatshirt, and even the opportunity to brew with the yeast man himself, Chris White. Signing up is easy. Just go to whitelabs.com slash customer club, fill out the registration form, and then mail in your labels. They will return the favor by sending you awesome White Labs swag. Go sign up today at whitelabs.com slash customer club. 
White Labs, pure yeast and fermentation since 1995. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. We're talking uh, top ten things every commercial brewery should be doing. Uh, let's see here. For my number four, John, I'm going with forced ferment. Ah, uh-huh. good tool. I think so, and it is so cheap and easy to do. Um, it's crazy that people are not doing it. Uh, so you, you take a container of wort, you know, the wort that you've you've got in the tank, you pitch extra yeast into it, um, and usually after you've pitched your yeast, there's plenty left over, you know, to dribble into like a, a one-liter container or, right. you know, mm-hmm. half-liter container to over-pitch that. Then you just keep it somewhere warm, and you shake the daylights out of it, and you keep it at like 80 degrees or whatever. Let that thing ferment out, and um, that's going to tell you how far your wort is going to attenuate with that yeast that you've used. Yeah, yeah. So if there's a problem there, so sometimes people are like, well, uh, you know, the, the, it's not attenuating all the way. It's like, well, how do you know that? Maybe it's attenuating differently. Maybe the wort has changed. Maybe you're upgrading your brew plant from, uh, you know, a one barrel to a ten barrel is producing different wort. You're getting maybe your all of a sudden your, uh, you know, your uh, temperature measurement um, for your wort is completely off. Maybe something happened. Maybe something yeah. got bumped or damaged or. You know, uh, filled with water, and now it's not reading correctly. Maybe that's the issue. Yeah. You're not going to know because you're not doing a forced ferment test. This like, simple little test. Um, yeah. Well, and you so you attenuate it out, and then you can measure it, and you can say, okay, this could finish as low as you know one plato, plato and a half, two plato, whatever it would be. Right. I had a I had a situation like that just last week. Um, collaboration brew. The brewer never brewed it before, of course. It was my recipe. And uh, he said, yeah, we're down at uh, 1022. And uh, I said, well, okay, uh, that seems high, but let me look at my records. And mm-hmm. sure enough, mine had been up that, up that high uh, at the end of fermentation and came out great. So I said, no, I think that's the number we're, we're looking for. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, you, without... Without forced fermentation, you know, data sitting right there in front of us, we had to, we had to kind of wonder and, and you know mm-hmm. dig up some records to figure out, you know, are we done or not? Right. And uh, so, yeah. well, especially it, on a you know a new recipe, you come up with a new recipe, and you want to brew this beer, forced ferment gives you a great piece of information, costs you essentially nothing. Right. And uh, but uh, you know a little bit of time, and is a is a great tool. Now, not all your your beers are going to ferment out to that extent, but it should come pretty close within within a you know a few points of of that limit. Because yeah. again, we're we're over pitching and we're um, you know heating it up and all that. Uh, you know, you should get the maximum attenuation possible. So maybe it comes a little short of that, but if it's way short of that. Well, then there's a problem. Now you need to look at, you know, fermentation. Now you need to look at the yeast. You need to look at, uh, you know, a bunch of other things. Had uh, this one other person that we were talking to done the forced ferment test, that would tell us a lot. Yeah. Yeah, but without that information, it's like, well, I don't know. Maybe maybe your wort's messed up. Yeah. You know, hard hard to hard to know. Again, all it takes is a little container that you can uh, sanitize. Take a uh, you know a, uh, collect some of the wort, pitch a bunch of yeast into it, um, same yeast that you're using, and then um, uh, you know keep it warm for a couple of days. It should completely ferment out. Yeah, yeah. Just set it on the shelf. Yeah, there it goes. Uh, all right, and you know homebrewers can do that too. You know the cost is is almost nothing. 
and uh, you just need enough to be able to get a uh, hydrometer reading on it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know that uh, brings up a good uh, the next one, which is very similar um, a wart stability test. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, again, yeah, another excellent one. Yeah, doesn't cost you anything. Uh, the difference here is you don't pitch your yeast. Mm-hmm. You just uh, take some wort, seal it up with a in a sanitized vessel with an airlock, mm-hmm. and uh, make sure it doesn't ferment. <laughs> Set it there, you know, same conditions, right. warm. Um, and this is an excellent way to know if uh, if your wort and your process is clean. Mm-hmm. If it starts fermenting, or if you know you see some activity in the airlock. Um, or if after a week you smell it and it smells sour, Go sour you know, or gonna, cloudy, yeah, mm-hmm. cloudy, yeah, um, you know, then you you know you've got some issues in your brewery, right? Yeah, if you have clear wort uh, and then it, it goes cloudy in the container, it's full of bacteria. And um, it, the way I like to do this is to take the sample off of the fermenter. So you could take multiples, like you could take one right after your heat exchanger. Uh, you could take one directly off the kettle if you wanted, uh, after your heat exchanger, one off of the, the, the fermenter. And then, uh, especially if you're trying to diagnose problems that you're having, um, you know, if, if coming out of the heat exchanger it's clean and out of the fermenter it's dirty, then, well, your fermenter cleaning regimen is not acceptable. If uh, it's dirty out of the... Uh, Heat exchanger will be dirty out of the out of the fermenter, and then you you know that um, your heat exchanger is dirty, and your heat exchanger cleaning is not acceptable. If it's dirty out of the heat exchanger and clean out of the fermenter, then your sampling is is, <laughs> is questionable, or your your sanitization of your containers is questionable. Um, but you know, cheap cheap way to do it and um really tells you how how you know if your process is clean or not and if you don't have a lab and you're not plating everything out and checking everything this is a great way to do it costs you almost nothing and um it it really is a valuable tool so every commercial brewery should be doing this and i think home brewers could could learn a lot from it as well all right. Um, here's one that, that I, I would have thought you'd already had earlier on the list, John, which is water testing. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. That's, yeah, I, I'm, yeah, it's a good point. I mean, that to me, that's something you do at the ingredient stage, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when you're formulating the recipe or, you know. But because water can change, especially if you're on a municipal water source, um, yeah, water testing uh, before every once a week, um, maybe before every batch, you know, can be um, very valuable. Mm-hmm. Again, to ensure that you are brewing with the same set of factors that you did last time. Right, consistency. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and uh, you know, there's there's great tools for this at reasonable prices. Uh, you know, the Lamont uh, test kits. I I yep. can vouch for those. Those are those are great test kits. Easy to use, accurate, um, and very reasonably priced for the number of tests you get. Oh yeah. Um, and I think you know, commercial brewery, you should be checking your water, you know, once a week and and seeing uh, if your water's changing. If it is, then you can take some action. Yeah, and taste it, for goodness sake. Mm-hmm. You know, tasting your water, I mean, you may detect a spike in the chlorine. Mm-hmm. You, know, you may t- may detect a an off flavor appearing, um, you know, due to a water source change. So um, even, you know, at, at, at its most basic, tasting your water it can give you a lot of information. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. What's your next one? Well, you know, I think we have to go back to our yeast because, you know, it's not beer without fermentation, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. So I'd say, you know, viability and uh, pitch rate um, calculate testing, Mm -hmm. counting. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we, as homebrewers, we talk a lot about, okay, there's 100 billion cells in this yeast package and you, you put it to a starter and it makes this many yeast. Well... There's a lot of of arm waving and wishful thinking 
uh, <laughs> associated with that. Mm-hmm. Um, the only way to know for sure uh, mm-hmm. is to actually count it mm-hmm. and test it. So uh, you and you and Chris did a great job in the East book on mm-hmm. describing how to do that. Maybe it's worth you know just covering the highlights here again. Well, and I'm glad you brought this one up. It, and, and it's not that expensive to do. The equipment to do viability and uh, pitch rates is relatively cheap. You can get a microscope, and um, you get one off of eBay. The most you're going to pay is a couple hundred bucks. There's a video camera ones now that actually are good enough for a lot of the uh, the yeast counting that I think you can get for like 40 bucks off of Amazon. Yeah, yeah. Um, then you need um, uh, a hemocytometer, which is going to run you about 50 to 70 bucks. You can get them off of eBay. Just look for a hemocytometer. It's a fancy slide with little grooves and lines and grids and stuff on it that holds a precise amount. And then hemocytometer uh, slip covers. They're a little bit bigger than slide covers. Generally, your hemocytometer will come with five of them or ten of them. But you can buy a lifetime supply from China for like uh, six bucks. Yeah. Uh, I've got a box of like a thousand for six bucks. Um, and then, you know, um, a little clicker to, to count with. That's handy. Oh, yeah. And then uh, just a couple of precise uh, uh, containers. Um uh, graduated cylinders so that you can do your dilutions properly and um, you know uh, little eyedropper uh, some dyes and that's it that's all you need that's everything and if you're super frugal you could probably get this done for 150 bucks if you're less frugal or going more high end you probably get it all done for less than 300 bucks and it's enough to test every day for a bunch of years. You know, you're not yeah. gonna you're not gonna run out. It's just all reusable, except for maybe you start breaking a couple of slide covers, and or you run out of dye, and so yeah. it's it's cheap. Yeah, and this this it's a, this is a topic that everybody brings up mm-hmm. uh, at conferences and and. I mean, I was just at the UC Brewers Guild last week or week before last, and uh, one of the presentations was, you know, setting up your own lab, first steps. Um, this is always one of the things that's mentioned because it is so key to consistency mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, a, g- a good, strong fermentation. And it's not hard to do. Well, and again, these folks that were having trouble with the attenuation, it's like, well, how do you know, you know, yeah. you're imagining it's it's this problem, but without knowing how much yeast you actually put in there and how much was viable, you don't know. I mean, you're 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 just guessing. And yeah. uh, you know, yeast viability changes, and especially if you're going to repitch yeast, you need to be doing this sort of testing. Right. It's it's not that expensive. It's not that difficult. After you've done it a few times, I mean, the first time will maybe take you a half hour because you're going to have to read the instructions over and over, and it's just going to take you a little bit. Maybe as much as an hour if you're slow. After you've done it a couple of times, the second time you do it, it'll take you a third of that time. It'll be like 20 minutes maybe. And then after you've done it a few times, you could do it in like 10 minutes. You know, it'll be that quick. 10, 15 minutes tops. Um, and it'll give you a critical piece of information that's going to make your beer a lot better. So that's a good one. Um, here's here's one that uh, also sticks out to me was uh, uh, dissolved oxygen meter for wort. Oh, yeah. So yeah. <clears throat> one of the... the, the things we were dealing with somebody on was they're like well you know we're doing this amount of oxygen and it's like you know could it could it be that much or you know is it too much well you don't really know because of the geometry of the fermenters how much headspace i mean they can change radically uh from you know situation to situation uh white labs did a bunch of testing at a bunch of different breweries and there was no correlation between the amount of time and the liters per minute that they're flowing in to the tanks and the dissolved oxygen in the tanks. It was the 
completely random information, it seemed like. Wow. So nowadays, uh, uh, inexpensive DO meter that reads in parts per million, so it's not something you would use for package uh, oxygens, because that needs to be in the parts per billion. Right. But parts per million... Uh, you can get a good one for gee, uh, hundred fifty bucks. Yeah, yeah. Lamont sells them, and uh, yeah, real useful. It's just like the pH meter, and just right. turn it on and take a measurement. Well, and uh, you know, uh, <coughs> these things we're we're saying, you know, hundred bucks here, three hundred bucks there. I mean, sure, that's real money. But again, what I'm saying is, as a home brewer, maybe you don't need all this stuff. Because it can be kind of pricey. If you can find a good deal on it and you can get it kind of cheap, uh, yeah. Or you really want, you know, or if you had a, have a bunch of money and really want to take your your homebrew to the ultimate level, then yeah, you know, step up for these. But if you are running a commercial brewery and you want to have any sort of respect at all for the quality of your product, and you can't pony up 150 for a do meter. You can't pony up, uh, you know, 150 for for viability. Um, you can't pony up 100 bucks for a pH meter. You know, you shouldn't be in business. And I hate to I hate to sound rude or or uh, inconsiderate, but what the hell are you running a commercial brewery if you're not doing these basic things? Yeah. It seems insane to me. Well, you're throwing money away. That's the thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, I mean, without Without these, a lot of these basic tools, you're going to have inconsistent brews, and you're going to have you know the bad batches get through that you may feel you have no recourse but to sell mm-hmm. because money's tight. Well, and that's going to tank you even further. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just at a really nice beer conference uh, last week, um, competition in Porto Alegre, Brazil, uh, 750 entries. All commercial uh, examples, I mean, you know, commercial uh, uh, bottles taken out of inventory. And a disturbing number were contaminated. Mm-hmm. Um, or just, you know, full of diacetyl. Or, you know, just a really uh, obnoxious off flavor that, you know, this beer is not going to sell again. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And... Um, so then, that's part of what got us on uh, this 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 particular topic, is that um, you know if you're if you're selling if you're putting this beer out to the public, um, it's going to be hard to stay in business. All right. Well, and you know the the total sum total cost of all the things that we're listing that you would have to buy is far less than the cost of one batch gone bad oh yeah yeah so and no matter how small a brewery you've got it's still more 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 uh you know on the ingredients and time and everything than than these things and these will prevent a lot of uh bad batches i think yeah. Well, and another, you know, another resource is the AHA. They have uh, a lot of great information there, and they've spawned a lot of uh, commercial brewers over over time with all the great uh, membership information and all that. And I've I've been a big supporter of the AHA. Um, I'm going to be at the uh, conference in Portland. I know you're going to be there too, John. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And uh, and Porno Steve's going to be there. Oh yeah, going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully he will have brewed uh, a homebrew batch before before then. Yeah, that's that's what we're yeah, thinking. I think, we're I think thinking it's possible. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, and they're they're running a great uh, membership offer right now. Uh, when you join the AHA using the uh, uh, the link on the BN Army uh, website, you go to uh, the thebrewingnetwork dot com, and there is a a big uh, AHA membership. Uh, link there and use the offer code bn army 17 bn army 17 you're going to get two free books with your membership uh brewed uh, brewing local and for the love of hops uh and i think you even get those if you renew so go to uh the brewing network.com and uh, use bn army 17 and get those two free books 
along with your your membership and like i said i think it works with if you're renewing too so and you can renew early you don't have to wait until uh your renewal is up you renew anytime these cool offers come by so uh, if you don't have those two books uh, jump on it all right let's take a short break when we come back we've got two more uh in our top 10 of things that every commercial brewer should be doing right after this Brewing great beer is a process of continuous learning, and the best books on every aspect of brewing can be found at Brewers Publications. With more than 50 awesome titles like Modern Homebrew Recipes by Gordon Strong, Designing Great Beers, The Ultimate Guide to Brewing Classic Beer Styles by Ray Daniels, American Sour Beers, Innovative Techniques for Mixed Fermentations by Michael Tonsmeyer, For the Love of Hops, The Practical Guide to Aroma, Bitterness, and the Culture of Hops by Stan Hieronymus and Radical Brewing Recipes, Tales, and World-Altering Meditations in a Glass by Randy Mosher, plus many, many more. These are the books and the authors with the knowledge to push your brewing farther than you thought possible. And you'll find them all at fine homebrew and book retailers everywhere. And visit the website at BrewersPublications.com Brewers Publications, all the best on beer and brewing. Your support of the Brewing Network means everything to us. We couldn't produce shows without you. And we love giving you something extra for that support. Like Brew Your Own Magazine. You already know it's a great brewing magazine full of recipes, equipment how-tos, discussions of beer styles, and brewing techniques. Whether you're new to brewing and just starting out or you're an old pro, you'll always learn something from the articles in Brew Your Own. Plus, there are amazing special issues like plans for building a brew. 10 system, 250 classic clone recipes, and the Home Brewer's Answer Book. Brew Your Own Magazine and BYO.com are awesome resources for any brewer, whether for yourself or as a gift. When you subscribe or resubscribe from the Brewing Network homepage, you directly support programs like this. Get a great magazine and support the Brewing Network. Subscribe to Brew Your Own right from the BrewingNetwork.com. to brew has never been so disgusting this is brew strong all right we're back also want to tell you about our good friends at adamandeve.com uh good sponsors for a long time on this show and if you use the offer code jamal j-a-m-i-l at adamandeve.com you're going to get 50 percent off almost any one item that you choose and put in your cart. Um, there's a few things that are excluded, but pretty much everything is that you're going to want to have is is on that uh, 50%. And then you're going to get uh, three free adult DVDs and a free extra gift. So sensual. I really can't tell you what it is. And you're going to get free shipping. So a lot of times on these offers, you know, that you, you see on TV or whatever, they get you on the shipping and handling, you know, the BS charges. And then, you know, hand, handling is like, you know, more than the, what you were going to save. Not in this case. Adam and Eve's a solid company. And all you're going to pay is 50% off that one item. And you're going to get the free DVDs, the free extra gift, and the free shipping. So it's a great way to, to try out Adam and Eve if you haven't before and get some, some cool stuff. Use that offer code Jamel, J-A-M-I-L, at adamandeve.com today. All right, let's see here. Um, I think you're up next. I am. All right. Well, number nine is uh, volumes of CO2 measurement. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Huh? I can't tell you the number of times I go to somebody's pub or get some some beer somewhere uh, from a smaller brewery, and one beer is dead flat, the other one's gushing <laughs> out. I mean, just just crazy. Yeah, yeah. I've been there. Yeah, yeah. You, it's surprising. I mean, you, you know, you, I guess you figure, hey, it's commercial. They've they're doing forced carbonation. They Mm-hmm, you know they've mm-hmm. they've programmed this in, but uh, no, yeah. How how do these mistakes happen, Jamil? Well, you know the biggest thing is 
you know, people are used to doing something a certain way. And, you know, when you when you start to scale this up, a lot of times it's just not happening the same way it happens on the little, you know, uh, size equipment you're using where you could shake the keg and do all that other stuff. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, you can end up with zones that are, you know, not really, uh, you know, uh, carbonating evenly, um, you can end up with all sorts of different issues. So the, the the simplest thing to do is to buy yourself. Now they used to have the Zom, which oh yeah, or they still have it, it. You know, but they want like twelve hundred bucks for the thing. Well, there's another company called Taprite that has essentially the exact same thing for three hundred bucks, and you can buy that. It's got a precision gauge on it. And um, it does, you know, temperature and pressure. So you can check pressure and temperature on this thing. You, f- you run beer through it till it's full. Shut off the valves. Take it off. Shake it. Look at the gauge. Look at the temperature. And there's a chart on the cylinder. It tells you exactly your volumes of CO2. There you go. Now, it's not uh, super precision like, you know, the $25,000 Danton Par, but um, it's... More precise than the beers that are coming out of a lot of these places. And, um, you know, I think people go, well, what's the big deal on carbonation? The thing is, the consumer, there's a lot of things they can't detect, like if the beer's well-made or not. But carbonation is one of those things that they feel, you know, they're like, oh, this is flat or this is gassy. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, they'll they'll call it out every time. So it's one of those simple things that may not seem like a big deal to you, but um, it really is going to affect the perception of your, your beer in the market. Yeah. Well, and, and you know as well, Jamil, like when you're judging in competition, mm-hmm. uh, you'll have that beer that's like, ah, you know, the, the beer is a little flat. Uh, doesn't totally seem to have flat. a lot of life to it, <laughs> yep. you know. Mm-hmm. Or the malt, you know, the some aspect of the flavor just isn't doesn't seem to be there, right. uh, and that can be due just to lack of carbonation. Mm-hmm. So. Well, and when somebody presents me a, a flat beer uh, for carbonation for for a brewing competition, it's kind of like, well, yeah, if you can't get carbonation right, then I don't expect the rest of the beer to be that great either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, my my uh, my next one and the the final one in our list of top ten is uh, testing for caustic and acid levels uh, when you're when you're cleaning. Uh, so, okay, a lot of people have keg washers, and the keg washers have come down in, in price to a point where. Um, you know, small breweries have them, or small breweries are building their own, uh, you know, uh, junkyard uh, keg washers. But what I see is people not investing in a test kit to test the strength of their caustic and strength of their acid. So they're using these things. And what can happen when you're cleaning kegs that are filled with CO2? You, you have to purge out the CO2 with air first. And if you haven't properly purged out, and sometimes the timing can be off. Um, I mean, we've seen it on our keg washer where sometimes it it isn't fully purging the keg, and all of a sudden the the caustic is killed. I mean, it's just the caustic, the effect of the caustic goes in in the dumper right away. And the only way to really know that is to test your caustic. So, um, and, and actually getting a test kit can save you money in the long run because you won't be guessing, oh, the caustic has gone bad. You'll know. And you can actually just add some more caustic to it. Um, you know, and you don't have to change it out every, every you know, so often. So um, having that caustic test kit, having that acid test kit allows you to... Um, uh, you know, get full effect out of your cl- cleaning equipment. Yeah. Otherwise, you'll be buying extra, or, right? Or bu- not buying enough. Yeah. And then having, you know, inefficient cleaning, right? Or right. residual chemical, you know, uh, getting, you know, getting in there. Well, that dirty, dirty kegs. I mean, yeah. you know, if if the caustic's for a reason to clean out the the protein that's left over in those kegs. Um, you know, acid as well for, you know, beer stone and such. If you're not doing this, your kegs aren't clean. 
and then you're putting your beer in there. And it doesn't matter what sanitizer you use, unless you're heating the things up, you know, to boiling. Um, uh, it won't matter what sanitizer you use because with this this protonaceous material with this, uh, you know, um, uh, beer stone and things like that on there, the bacteria will be protected from the sheeting action of the uh, the sanitizer, and you will end up with spoiled beer. So no matter how good your beer is, you put them in dirty kegs, you're gonna you're gonna end up with uh, you know dirty um, beer going out. Yeah. Um, and if you're using like a, uh, a CAP cart, you know, for cleaning your fermenters, you should be testing that as well. And but yet I see so many breweries without the ability to test their caustic. It's like you know, you know, trying to do surgery with your eyes closed. You need some yeah. way of testing. Yeah. Now the, these test kits are readily available from your probably from your chemical supplier, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's where we get ours. Um, you know, we're just like uh, it, it, it's the same thing like a pool test kit, you know. Yeah. But you're testing for you know certain uh, for the caustic ability and yeah. for the acid. Yeah, Lamont makes those. Burgo has them. Mm-hmm. Lots of suppliers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely worth it. Not very expensive. It will save you more money than it costs uh, in uh, not wasted uh, caustic and acid. You know, won't be dumping it earlier. And um, yeah, I think uh, you know a great way to go. I think that's a good list, huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe we, we could have done find more, but right, right. It's a good. It's a good top ten. Yeah, I thought. Uh, I thought. Uh, these are common things that we see at breweries that we visit Yeah, that would improve those breweries tremendously. I mean, should we pick something else instead of one of these? I don't know. Maybe we'll refine this over time, but I think that this is a pretty solid list. Yeah. And if you're not if you, doing these if things. If you want to send us you know, some of your top ten, yeah. feel free to do so. Yeah, if you've, if you've got a, a better list, uh, send it away and we'll, we'll read that out uh, to people. But, you know, Absolutely, you should be doing this list. If yeah. you're not, you're shouldn't be running a commercial brewery. So, yeah, um, look long and hard if you are not doing these things. And everybody's got excuses, um, but you know it's just not the right thing to do. Right, anything else to add, John? No, I think I, I think that was a pretty good show. There you go. I do, too. I think uh, if you're listening live, stick around. We've got another one. We're going to do a uh, live Q&A right after this. But uh, you know all this is uh, paid for. Uh, you, you get to download it through the magic of the interwebs by uh, the good graces of our sponsors, uh, especially uh, Blickman Engineering. Check them out, BlickmanEngineering.com. And don't forget to send uh, a feedback email to feedback at BlickmanEngineering.com to, to John Blickman himself. He gets those. And uh, tell him how much you appreciate that uh, he's sponsored the show for oh so many years. And... Um, you know, it's not cheap to keep John and I in our own private jets. It really That's right. is. I mean, how else do we do all this touring around the world? Well, we, the Brewing Network store is one. <laughs> the Brewing Network store probably pays for at least half of those jets. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, right now, if you go to the Brewing Network store, thebrewingnetwork.com slash store, they have... A giant sale on leftover turkeys from Thanksgiving. Got some yeah. great Black Friday deals there. Great Black Friday deals. Yes. Cyber Monday. Cyber Monday. You can get a cyber turkey uh, cheap <laughs> on, uh, on the Brewing Network store. Mm. Everything you buy in the Brewing Network store goes to the bottom line of the Brewing Network. It helps keep shows like this on the air. You can get yourself some hats, hoodies, uh, various good things there, including the discounted turkeys. Until then, everybody, brew strong. Brew strong, everyone.